Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Kinetic Enterprise. We're happy to be here and let's see what we're going to be talking about today. This is a topic near and dear to all of you. To understand how organizations worldwide are activating the Built to Evolve Enterprise, which is the subtitle of the series, Deloitte surveyed more than 9,000 business and IT executives for its 2020 Global Human Capital Trends Report. So this is current information. Today, we're going to talk with Satish Baggi, Gordon Lavrock, and Mustafa. He calls himself Moose Norze. We're going to explore the key insights from the report, which represents one of the world's most comprehensive studies of HR, of talent, and of related technology topics ever conducted. This is so important to companies around the world because we're in a new paradigm of how people work, where people work, what you do with your people, how they stay productive, how companies keep going during the pandemic that the world is slowly starting to emerge from. So a primary focus of this year's Deloitte report is unleashing the full potential of the social enterprise. And I'm putting that in quotes. That is an organization that combines revenue growth and profit making. That's what keeps you going with the need to respect and support its environment and stakeholder network. And that's the people part. You can find out today, you'll hear how the latest technologies can actually empower the social enterprise. You're going to learn some of the specific tactics for elevating the human experience. Everybody talks about customer experience. Well, you've got customers inside. They are your your workers, your staff, your talent, your workforce. You have to elevate that human experience and discover how your organization can leverage Built to Evolve Kinetic Enterprise capabilities to support the social enterprise. We have a lot to learn today, and my three panelists are raring to go. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening around the world. Happy to be here, and let's get my specialists to introduce themselves. First up, Satish Badgi. Satish, welcome, and please tell us who you are and what's your passion for this topic. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, good day, everyone, and very happy to be here with you today. My name is Satish Badgi, and I'm one of the leaders within Deloitte's HR Transformation Group. Uh, and with my speciality in HR technologies such as cloud HR, global payroll, systems integration, and of course, employee experience. I've been in this field for over 25 years and worked in different geographies globally, uh, witnessing the journey of many of my clients. Uh, being a thought leader and mentor uh, through my published work uh, in SAP Press as well as Prentice Hall and uh, many speaking engagements. My human capital journey over 25 years has been very exciting, both from technology and people perspective. And as the technology moved from mainframes to mobile apps, uh, we know that the employee population moved from baby boomers to generation X, Y, and Z. Uh, combine that with ever-changing world, uh, and, and I think I'm certainly looking forward to today's discussion. Thank you very much, Satish. We appreciate your expertise. We're looking forward to it a great deal. Let's move around the table. Gordon Lavrock is next. Gordon, please introduce yourself. Hey, thanks, Bonnie, and uh, good morning. Good day, everybody. Uh, my name is Gordon Lavrock. Um, similar to Satish, uh, I'm a leader within Deloitte's uh, HR Transformation Group. Um, 
specializing more so on the cloud transformation, um, specifically looking at SAP success factors. Um, I've been working across uh, multiple industries, and I've also worked across four continents, um, helping organizations essentially assess and implement, you know, various different human capital solutions. Uh, my passion, I, I, you know, I love working with clients to help them develop out solution roadmaps that really highlight how, how can these organizations uh, leverage the technology and really get their entire organization engaged. So, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to be here today. Look forward to the discussion. Thank you, Gordon. And I like the way you said get the entire organization engaged. That's really so important now more than ever, isn't it, Gordon? Indeed, indeed. And uh, you'll see as we go through the trends today, we're going to highlight on some of those key enablers that we see how we can really make that happen. Thank you very much. I'm so glad this is a current report. It is so relevant to every company around the world and everybody who works for a company. Thank you. Let's move one more seat around the table to Mustafa Moose. He said I can call him Moose. Norze. Moose, please. You're sure I can call you Moose, right? Of course, of course. Please introduce well, yourself as well. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Voice America Business. Uh, I've been wanting to do that ever since I saw the, the movie back in, I think, like the 80s or 90s, but I thought I'd take that opportunity to do that first. Uh, I'm Mustafa Norze. I go by Moose, and so my parents did not name me Moose, if you're wondering that. Long story behind that, but basically, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a Spanish speaker, you understand that Mustafa sounds like Mustasa, which means mustard. And if you're a, uh, I've watched The Lion King, you know that Mustafa sounds like Mufasa, The Lion King. So over the years... Too many people made fun of my first name and couldn't remember my first name and couldn't say it, so I adopted the nickname Moose. So that's the story behind that. Um, I'm a leader in uh, Deloitte Consulting's HR transformation practice as well. Uh, I focus on tech-enabled HR transformations, uh, and as you can tell, my passion has been HR, uh, managing talent, uh, managing the human experience, getting the most out of your talent, making the experience for, for a, a worker uh, more fruitful as they are in an organization. Get them passionate about their work, so that you can get the most uh, most uh, from the uh, from your talent. I've helped organizations, large and small, been in the industry um, for over 22 years, and I've actually been in HR for both for both the consulting side as well as the um, industry side. So I I understand the decisions that you make now. Uh, of, can affect you five years from now and how those affect you. Uh, so thanks again for the opportunity. Uh, would uh, I look forward to conversation today with this roundtable. Thank you very much, Moose. Pleasure. And thank you for the background on your name. I shortened my name to Red for some of my radio shows. It's just easier than all of those <laughs> syllables. So code names are good. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm so pleased and privileged to be speaking with the three of you today. And the topic, as I said, is so very, very relevant. I have to do a shout out to Malia Aguilar. Behind the scenes, she's here. She's muted. Uh, we are, by the way, on Zoom. For those of you listening, I have the pleasure of watching my panelists think and speak here in the visual Zoom room, even though we're just broadcasting the audio. So Malia, thank you for inviting this panel. I'm excited already just hearing who they are. So this is the part of the show where I have asked the panelists to please send me a quote that means something to them, but is not specifically about our topic. And they're going to relate in their own words here on the air. This is not a scripted show. We're not reading slides. This is not a webinar. It's a conversation. They're going to tell us how the quote makes them think about or what it makes them think about our topic. 
topic today. So Satish has sent us a quote from the wonderful and left us way too soon, Steve Jobs. Anybody on the earth does not know Steve Jobs. Satish, allow me a little bio here. Stephen Paul Jobs, February 24th, 1955, October 5th, 2011, was an American business magnet. And they spell magnet, M-A-G-N-A-T-E. Well, I would like to say he was a business M-A-G-N-E-T as well, a magnet for business, industrial designer, investor, and media proprietor. That's an interesting term. Chairman, CEO, and co-founder of Apple Inc., chairman and majority shareholder of Pixar, member of the Walt Disney Company's board of directors, following its acquisition of Pixar, and the founder, chairman, and CEO of Next Any Capital X Capital T. He's widely recognized as a pioneer, we all know, of the personal computer revolution of the 1970s and 80s, along with Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak. Here's the quote Satisha selected from Steve Jobs. You cannot mandate productivity. You must provide the tools to let people become their best. Great quote, Satish. How'd you find this one? Yes, I think thanks for that introduction, Bonnie. And uh, who has not heard of Steve Jobs, right, on the face of the earth? Uh, how I found this quote, I think, um, of course, uh, one of my favorite books on Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. I think uh, most of you in audience uh, must have read that book. Um, and I think um, uh, why I found this quote interesting, Bonnie, is because um, I think I always tend to use movie references. Uh, I think some of you might have seen an old Charlie Chaplin movie from black and white era called Modern Times, mm-hmm. uh, where Charlie Chaplin, in a very hilarious way, uh, presents the industrial revolution and, uh, and the productivity, you know, and why his boss is asking him to improve the productivity. Uh, I think that's, that's a very funny way how Charlie represented it. But I think coming back to today's times, I think unless we, we equip our people our employees, uh, the best will not come out. And, and we are not just talking about uh, productivity in the workplace, right? We want to look at a person as a whole, uh, not just the work life, but also the well-being and, and, and overall living and kind of combine that and then bring the best out of the person. And I think Steve Jobs' quote kind of, kind of brings that together, you know, indirectly uh, with what Steve Jobs did in this world as well as, uh, you know, through his work. Uh, I think in the ever-changing world, uh, and especially with the current challenging times, uh, I think productivity has a whole new meaning and a dimension and how it can be measured, how it can be improved. And I think that's why I found this quote very interesting. I mean, who would have thought of Zoom and Teams a year back, which has become now a part of our daily life, right? Uh, So I think in an ever-evolving organization, uh, with multi-generational workforce, uh, I, I feel that Steve's quote uh, has a lot of meaning. And that's the reason I selected this quote. Over Thank to you, you. Thank you, Satish. I agree with you and directly and indirectly in the concept of productivity right now. It's not only professional productivity. I think we're all dealing with maybe grappling with personal productivity. What do we do in this abyss waiting to get back to? Everybody says the new normal. I call it the next abnormal. I don't know what else to say, but thank you very much. And that's why shows like this with specialists like the three of you help people get get their minds back on track. And that's why I'm so excited about this show. Let's move on to Gordon Lavrock. Gordon has picked a quote that's one of the world's favorite quotes, Gordon. We hear it often and we love it. It's from Maya Angelou. She was born Marguerite Annie Johnson, 1928 to 2014, American poet 
poet, memoirist, and civil rights activist. She published only seven autobiographies. I don't know anybody else who's published that many. Three books of essays, many books of poetry, and is credited with plays, movies, TV shows spanning over 50 years. That's called prolific and productive, Satish. She was very productive in what she did. She received more than 50 honorary degrees, and she's best known for the book she released in 1969, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, Her Life Up to the Age of 17. Interesting for somebody to write a memoir up to the age of 17, and there were so many more. Here's the quote. Gordon, I'm getting to it already. Don't <laughs> look at it. He's like, when's she going to read the quote? <laughs> I've learned that people will forget what you said and what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Gordon, bring us into the topic with this quote, please. Yeah, I mean, uh, so this topic takes me way back um, over 20 years. Uh, <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I think the initial way it emerged to me was through the concept of, you know, obviously actions speak louder than words. Um, and then at the end of the day, how you make people feel and the impact you have on folks um, really is, is stronger than your actions. So when I look at this, um, I kind of learned to look at this through the, the lens of how do people feel, right? How do you impact folks? Um, and over the years, I've learned that when we involve and when we include people, you, you get all of them and, and getting all of them in life and getting all of them in business is so important. And when we look at this now through the lens of HR, right? When we look at this, the importance in today's world of employee experience, um, we've moved away a, a little bit from the traditional HR model. And we want to make sure that we're really putting the employees in the middle of this and wrapping experience around them to ensure that they have an opportunity to thrive. Um, so when we can look at um, how we can help people uh, experience that and how we can measure that experience with, with folks, I really think that if we can involve employees and focus on their engagement, like we talked about earlier, I think that's really where the magic happens, right? I think that's when you start to get folks engaged, you, you're aligned, you're focused on the same goals, um, and that's really when people start to operate at their optimum and best. Thank you, Gordon. It reminds me of a song going away. You, you said something about 20 years ago and you laughed like that's a long time. No, it's not actually. I'm remembering from when I'm, I was growing up, I'm going to say I heard this in the womb. Uh, there was somebody named Tennessee Ernie Ford and he had a song called 16 Tons, What Do You Get? Another Day Older, Deeper in Debt. Uh, St. Peter, don't you call me something because I, I owe my soul to the company store. That was when all you wanted to do, right, was have right. a job and work and get a paycheck and retire someday with a little bit of money. And that was the goal. And okay. there seems to be an evolution in it matters how people feel about their jobs. This seems to be in recent times. Gordon, can you peg a time when this started to become an HR trend, when companies cared about their employees? You know, we've been running... So Deloitte's been running these trends analysis now for 10 years. We're in our 10th year in 2020, which is just fantastic. But we've been seeing the trend of this evolve over that 10 years, and it's becoming more and more important. Um, I think the reality of, um, in the beginning, it was more about making sure that employees had um, uh, empowerment, right? And it was really about ensuring there was a self-service concept to ensuring that they had control over. They weren't relying on business to do things for them. And then as that's evolved away from self-service more into actually the employees just part of the organization, they're, they're embedded within the processes. Um, and then we actually now look at how do we measure that employee's experience rather than measuring how they're doing a particular skill, 
How do we measure their experience? And, and, and the more we can talk to them through that, that, that particular discussion point, I think that's when they start to lean in. And that's when we really get them aligned to the company objectives and the strategic objectives of what the company's driving. So I think I'd say it's really ramped up in the last four to five years um, mm -hmm. that I've seen. And I, and I think we're, we're about to break through into that next level with employee experience management. And uh, we're seeing a big shift in the technology players as well. Thank you, Gordon. Very interesting. That's what I was hoping you would say. It is fairly recent and it's a good thing. Let's move on to Moose. And Moose has sent us a quote from Malcolm X. Malcolm X was born Malcolm Little. He lived from 1925 to 65, just 40 years old, when he passed El Haj Malik El Shabazz was his name, his taken name, better known as Malcolm X, was an American Muslim minister and human rights activist, popular figure during the civil rights movement, best known for his staunch and controversial black racial advocacy and for his time spent as the vocal spokesperson of the Nation of Islam. Here's the quote. There is nothing better than adversity. Every defeat, every heartbreak, every loss contains its own seed, its own lesson on how to improve your performance next time. Wow, that's quite a quote, Moose. Talk to me. How'd you get this one? And what does it have to do with our topic? I think I know, but go ahead. I think um, this topic is usually very relevant, regardless of what era, what time, what situation you're in. We all face adversity. We all face uh, defeat. We all face loss. Um, but how you respond to it is what determines who you are and how and how and the kind of person you are as a as a human being. I think today in today's world, um, we're facing something huge right now. Something that I I keep hearing the word unprecedented. I'm growing a little. Um, I'd like to ha hear a different word, but really, there's only one word to 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 uh, describe today's situation. Um, we're facing things we've never never face. Now we can seize this moment and create an opportunity out of it. Or, or, and that's what this quote really, really gets to. It's how we plant the seed and how we respond to it. So um, HR specifically uh, is facing a, a moment of what we would, what we call a Deloitte, what we coined as a moment that matters. And by that, I mean, the organization is looking at HR to, help them get started, help them thrive in this uh, challenging time. HR gets a seat at the table that HR has been wanting all this time. Now, how HR responds and what HR does with that seat at the, the table determines whether or not that seat is permanent or that seat is temporary. Uh, so that's why this quote in this specific situation matters to me. Me personally, you know, every time, I, I just to give you a little background about myself, um, I was uh, five years old living in Kabul, Afghanistan when the Soviets invaded. Uh, by the age of seven, we had to flee the country uh, because my father uh, was educated in the U.S. and his life was in danger in the middle of Cold War. So I personally faced a, a, a challenge. And how I, we planted that seed and grew from it is where I am today. Uh, so we took adversity. We took it. We took the reins and used adversity uh, to help us move forward. And now HR, uh, and in in this world today, has an opportunity. That opportunity that HR has been looking for. 
Thank you, Moose. Thank you for sharing your personal information. This is important. We're talking about people and we're all people. So thank you for sharing that with the audience. I have a, a question for the whole panel. You're all using the term HR. In recent years and through my work with, with SAP Game Changers Radio, I was told it was HCM, Human Capital Management, or human assets or resources rather than HR. And you're back to the standard of human resources. Does anybody, I'm going to throw this open to the whole panel or you know what? I'll go around the table. What do you think? Satish, are we back to calling it HR like it originally was, Satish? Uh, I think there are various terms, uh, Bonnie. And I think Gordon mentioned the, the, the employee experience. So the other recent term I heard is actually HX. You know, so it's the human capital, human resources, and employee experience all bringing together into a new term called HXM. So, so I agree with you that more often we use uh, a, a human capital or human resources, but I like this new term, HXM. HXM, interesting. Gordon, weigh in on this. What do you think? Satish is on the money. Um, the, the shift to HXM is, is probably one of the sexiest things that's happened to HR in the last 10 years. <laughs> OMG. Well, <laughs> Moose, are you on board with HXM? We should have titled the, the topic HXM. That would have been a – never mind. Moose, what do you think? Who am I to disagree with this, uh, with this panel? <laughs> I think it has evolved, yes. It started from human resources – then, then, uh, then, kind of the times changed, and we realized that it's not just a resource; it's actual capital in the company, and uh, it's probably the most expensive component of it, or one of the most expensive. And so, you have to invest to get the most out of it. But now, as we're learning more, uh, and we're we're trying to flip, look at it so that hey, it's not um, it's not just capital for the organization; it's not the organization's goal; it's a it's looking at the employees and giving them that experience and getting the most out of them. And that's how you get, uh, get giving them that experience uh, affects your bottom line at the end of the day. So I think HXM is the correct way to describe it in, to, uh, in today's terms. Thank you all. I have a note to Malia. Well, next time we do an HR topic, we'll call it HXM. I, I love this. And by the way, Moose, you said that you were tired of the word unprecedented, and I counted five syllables, unprecedented. And I was going to suggest uh, never before, which is four syllables, or first time or first ever, which is two syllables. So if you're looking for an economy of language and syllables, we can try to come up with it. So nobody will say unprecedented again on this show. We're going to use another word for boost. Thank you for that. Now is the thank you all. And I appreciate your, your, you're all very charming and engaging, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, to our listeners, we are having a conversation, and I hope you're appreciating it and enjoying it because this is really important, the concept of companies that care about your experience as an employee, as a manager, as a worker, wherever you are in the hierarchy, what we used to call the ladder, right up or down the ladder, it matters. Companies care and more and more companies are caring and should care. We'll leave it at that. This is good. Uh, Satish has sent me the following. We're now in the formal roundtable conversation part of the show. My Each panelist has sent me four statements with their thoughts on the topic. We're going to pick a few of them and go around the table, what I call the magic sauce. And remember to our listeners, we're not scripted. We're not reading slides. This is a real conversation with real people, and that's why it's so exciting. So Satish told me the following. He said, technology and human emotions need to strike a balance as the technology moves people farther from person-to-person -person interaction, is it possible to keep the human angle, the human touch, 
or will organizations struggle to do that? Great question on the table. Satish, please weigh in for about two minutes, and then we will tap on Gordon to find out what he thinks, agree or disagree, and then Moose. Go ahead, Satish. Sure, Bonnie. Yes. And you know, I'm a movie buff, you know, so whenever I watch movies like iRobot or Transformers, you know, it always comes to my mind that when you bring technology and humans together, and, and I think if you go back to Deloitte's Human Capital Trend Report, uh, that's exactly where we started, where we are saying humans and technology and, and bring the two DNS together. And, and that's where you get the winning combination. Now, what, what's behind my, my, my thinking for this statement? Uh, one is, of course, I think um, uh, in, in today's world, if you see uh, how we are using technology, and especially right now, uh, whether it's a Zoom, whether it's a team, people working remotely, um, does it really, you know, uh, help them? Or in some cases, is it isolating them, right? Um, I mean, 93% of the respondents in our survey actually said belongingness is very important to them for their performance. And, and, and sometimes I wonder whether uh, this overuse of technology, uh, is it isolating them? Do they feel belong? Uh, and I think that's where exactly I started thinking about this statement. Uh, I think the second aspect to, to, to this statement was, uh, I think, uh, is the well-being of the people. Uh, I think more than 75% people in the survey said uh, well-being is, is very important to them. And then when you bring the technology to them, we are talking well-being and not just the work, but it's the work life that we are talking. Uh, I think that's why I felt that this technology plus human DNA is a topic of discussion. And I'm going to pass it to you, Martin. Back. Thank you very much. Gordon, love to get your two cents or your $10 or whatever you want to put in the pot. What do you think? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, I think the points that Tish mentioned earlier, you know, regarding the word belonging, um, we're seeing this as a key performance driver right now. Um, when we hear concept, like we did this survey around the world um, globally, uh, nine, over 9,000, right? And 93% of global respondents are saying that this belonging idea of belonging and ensuring they create this connection is so key. Um, I think that what we're seeing right now is if organizations can ensure um, that organizations can bring, or individuals even, can bring their authentic self to work every day um, and be included, be feel part of that organization, feel the connection, um, then that can help you know, improve slash foster uh, a sense of belonging, and that will definitely drive better performance uh, for the organization. Thank you very much, Moose. Love to get your thoughts. Please join us. Um, sure. I mean, I think um, if you put the pandemic lens on this statement that Satish made, right? It's 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 a it's that sense of belonging that Gordon also mentioned uh, is I think what's what's most important here. Um, it's hard as an individual to feel like you're a part of an organization when you're, for the most part, most of us. Uh, are in our houses, in our backyards, in our office, home offices, going from bedroom to bedroom, find a quiet space to do a Zoom call uh, because the kids are running around in the, in the living room making noise. Uh, and you're very well connected with your family, which is really good. But a, feeling the sense of belonging with the organization that you're working for, it's more and more difficult. Everyone is a little, a little you know, two-by-two two box on a Zoom screen or two-by-two two box on a team screen. It's hard to feel that company culture and belonging. Now, what organizations can do to kind of spin that 
uh, to make it to give their uh, workers the set, that sense of belonging is um, kind of strengthening the workers' connection with their teams, uh, giving them a common goal or meaningful purpose on on, a sh- on shared goals, what they value, what they find uh, useful, what they what they are passionate about. So when you form a team around passions and people's emotions, everyone is striving for that same emotion. You've kind of changed the paradigm. You've, you've kind of switched it, flipped it, such that um, you're no longer focused on the fact that you're working remote, for example. You're no longer focused that you're not interacting with your co- coworkers, your organizations on a day-to-day basis in a, in a kind of personal nature. You're focused on the common goal, and that's where your connection and your fabric is. And that's what uh, we need to do as organizations to help employees or workers um, feel that sense of connection. Thank you all. Good around the table on that. Satish, thanks for that topic. I'm hearing the word, we haven't said it, the word caring. Your company needs to care about you. Am I right? Everybody can nod if they agree with that. If you don't, nod nod cross violently and I'll ask you a question. But uh, the sense of caring is that it's not just a corporate entity or an enterprise behemoth. There are people in the company who know that you're a person and they care about how you feel, your sense of engagement, your sense of belonging, right, Moose? Your connection. And that is important. Didn't, Didn't used to matter years ago. I'm wishing... Earlier in my work experience, I'm wishing that these topics were brought up. I remember when HR held a ruler over your head and a stick across your knee, and if you did anything in violation, they reprimanded you or they withheld your raise or they gave you a bad review. We all remember those days. So, or at least I do. I think Satish May, Gordon May, I'm not sure about Moose. I'm, I'm not looking at age, but I'm just thinking maybe Moose not, might not go back that far. Uh, <laughs> so it's, isn't it? Okay. It's interesting. Let's move on, Gordon. I'm looking at your statement number one here. Very interesting comment. You say AI, artificial intelligence, is evolving in the world of HR, HXM, and will continue to provide more consistency and quality to organizations who embrace it. This will lead to more HR insights. We'd love to know more about those, more insights. Gordon, you're up. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, I think. When we talk about this, let's first talk about the difference in, in, in AI between what's the actual and then the perceived use. Um, right now, from our survey, about 12% of organizations are, are using AI uh, to actually replace workers. And that's almost from a point of substitution. Um, 12%, and that's a good stat, 12%. We don't want it to be too high, right? So AI is not about um, job elimination. Um, because at least I'd say 60% of the respondents in the, in the survey have said that they will use AI to assist workers. Um, and this will also increase with time as we, as we progress and mature in this space. Um, so what we see is the majority will actually want to leverage AI to improve the consistency and quality of processes and functions. But the real nugget here is the ability to leverage AI to drive more insights. Um, so what do I mean by that? If we put more automation um, into HR processes, so the ability for, um, let's take a classic example. If I'm in my kitchen and I'm cooking and I say, Alexa, set timer for 15 minutes, she does it. It happens. Um, the ability for leveraging AI from a point of view of saying, what's my vacation balance? Um, you know, what's the policy on parental leave? 
um, the ability to get that information from an organization, that, that kind of interaction is already happening. But what we're seeing is the ability to automate that process in HR is taking it from arguably what I say a tactical level to a more strategic level. It's allowing those HR practitioners to now really focus in on value add work um, and also pulling information out. Um, so let me give you an example. If we look at an industry, we'll take the utilities industry, right? I mean, this is a, a, a fast-growing industry. We're talking about the smart grid. Um, utility organizations have the ability to put sensors throughout their grid now. They have drones that have the ability to, you know, have real-time insights into what's going on. So when you look at that level of AI going into an industry footprint like utilities, the amount of data points that that utility company can now pull out of that to assist workers with regards to predictive uh, faults, to preventative maintenance, to mm -hmm. um, you know, just troubleshooting what went wrong in that particular area when there's a power out. Um, and that leads itself, therefore, into workers who can have that information. It makes them more proficient in their job. It empowers them more. They feel uh, more equipped to do the work and they feel that they can actually contribute. Now, HR have the ability to analyze all of that information and start ensuring that they are putting a work process around that that fosters belonging, that fosters a sense of well-being, um, and all of these key sort of fundamental drivers that we see today. Um, so I, I think the reality here is that the, the insight to in order to make – quicker decisions and act quicker and, and really makes the entire organization from industry right through to human XM or human capital um, makes the whole organization a lot more agile. Thank you very much. That's a good business case there, making the organization agile. We all know companies need to be more agile, fluid, ability to pivot, right, Gordon, especially in these times, maybe changing what they do, how they do it to keep afloat and, and to participate in recovery. Moose, you're up next. Love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree with Gordon? Moose. Oh, I definitely agree, um, as you expected. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Here's the thing with AI. Um, we all talked about it. Everyone thought it would automate. Uh, now the concept that we've introduced is it's not going to necessarily automate or replace a human being. It's going to work better when you when they work together. All right. And we didn't. And this was seen very, very. This is very. This theory was definitely proven during this during this pandemic. And how so? Humans and technology work very well together. Um, during this pandemic because the pandemic helped us kickstart um, and show us that this works and that it's more powerful when working when humans and technology are working in tandem. If we just look at uh, what telemedicine, education, grocery delivery, some of these industries or professions, what they did during the lockdown. Um, doctors don't necessarily need to go to an office or to a clinic now, right? A lot of the work can be done via online technology mechanisms like Zoom and Teams. Uh, we saw that grocery stores, you don't no longer have to go to a grocery store to get your groceries. You can order it online and it'll get delivered. Now, sometimes getting a, uh, an, an actual confirmed time to get your groceries, uh, an appointment is, is difficult, but hey, that's the challenge we have to solve. Uh, but, and then um, things uh, like um, education, right? Um, 
I had uh, quite a number of, I have a lot of cousins, a lot of cousins, <laughs> and <laughs> and m- many of them many years younger than me, or in college or high school, or some even in in grade school, and and these guys were all going through school uh, online, and so what this shows is how humans and technology work best when they don't replace one another, but they work together. And coming out of this pandemic, um, I think the challenge is is to make sure that we incorporate not just technology, but AI into this, into the fold and, and create these, what we term super teams, which is a combination of both AI as well as uh, human beings working together for the same common goal. Moose, that's exciting. I haven't heard the term super teams. If you were to say to your employees, uh, speaking to anybody around the world who's listening, uh, you're going to be part of a super team, who wouldn't get excited about that? And if they hear that it's technology that is not replacing them, but augmenting their capabilities or making them more efficient or adding to the value of the team and they're not going to be out of a job, they're going to learn more, they're going to upskill, they don't have to go back to school, but learning some of the tech, the apps, the dashboards will allow them to elevate their care and feel proud of themselves and happy to, I love the idea of a super team. Thank you. Satish is nodding. To our listeners, I'm in a Zoom room and I can visually see my panelists thinking. I like to watch people think. Satish is thinking out loud. Satish, you're up next. Talk to me. What do you think? Yes, Bonnie. And I think why, why this is such a good idea and such a good discussion is because I'll go back to your earlier comment, the traditional human resource manager. And a quick story, 15, 16 years back when I was implementing employee self-service at one of the organizations, the HR manager asked me, he said, what's next? If employees are going directly in the system and doing stuff and not walking into my office, how will they communicate with me? Uh, And then look at us, you know, 15, 16 years later, we are still here. We are talking AI. We are talking robotic process automation. We are talking chatbots. Because I think technology has to evolve for the better of the people, for the better of the employee. And I think Moose gave a very good example over here. And I think uh, very recently someone was talking to me and said, hey, when, when, when situation becomes normal and all my employees start coming back and when I start the hire and rehire processes, can we talk of chatbots and the bots and RPA uh, to make that process automated? instead of somebody sitting at the desk and, and, and entering repetitive transactions. Yeah, so that's exactly what we're talking, you know, how to apply that in today's world as Gordon and, and Moose said. And I, I think that's why I feel it's, it's exciting. It's not going to change anything. It's going to make things better. Exciting and optimistic and positive and yes and wow. I'm going to add that. I'm moving around the table. Moose, I'm looking at your statements here. I think we've covered a little bit of number one, number two, number three. So I'm going to pick on statement number four because there's a gem in here, Moose, that I want you to talk about. Okay. So Moose told me the following before the show. He's sort of nodding. I can see his hat going side by side. Yes, he's nodding. He says, look beyond the myopic demographic lens but understand the unique characteristics of your workers. This is the key to determine how to bring them together to maximize their contributions. And I think this goes to the super team concept. We're not talking AI. We're talking about the people's characteristics. So Moose, you want to dive into this, please, and tell us more, and then we'll see what Satish and Gordon have to say. Go ahead, Moose. Sure. Um, if, so if you look at today's world, right, um, we're pretty soon – uh, any any uh, organization will have five generations 
five generations in their workforce, right? Uh, with Generation Z soon entering and being the largest of that population, it's estimated in the U.S. will have about 90 million Generation Zers in the workforce, okay? So that means organizations are, are looking, are, are being challenged to figure out how to, how to manage a multi-generational workforce. Now, the days of looking at demographic data, I think, are over. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I know that, you know, in our survey, we said that 70% of organizations say leading multi-generational workforces is important or very important for their success. But only 10% are very ready to address that. Mm -hmm. And what's even more alarming is only 6% say their leaders are equipped to lead in uh, a multi-generational team. Now, what, what, is that, what does that mean to us? We need to look at different things. Cultural shifts have changed the way our, our, our jobs are. By that, I mean it no longer, tenure no longer means that tenure is what gets you to the next level in the organization. It's no longer that, you know, your 50, 60-plus-year-olds are your executives and then your 20-somethings are your interns and your analysts that start, start uh, right? You can have a... 25-year-old manager that's managing a 55 or 60-year-old intern. Things have changed. Cultural shifts have allowed us to accept things like that. So we need to look at ways to, um, to slice and dice the employee population to make sure um, that we are uh, hitting things that resonate to them. Okay? And we can, we can take a page out of uh, the retail industry's recent efforts. What they've done is look at um, customer segmentation and they've figured out that they can be used as a guide on how, uh, how they, uh, they segment their customers uh, and look at things and, and things that matter the most for their customers. We can look at that from an employee lens and see it at different points of time. What are those moments that matter, the term I used earlier, mm -hmm. uh, that matter to the workers? And you combine that with understanding what the worker values for example, their attributes, their attitudes, their opinions, uh, and interests, which allow them to, which allows the organization to look at that, see what's most important to their workers, and then use that to kind of look at how they, they develop HR programs, HR policies, uh, and HR strategies. And doing that will resonate, will be a moment that matter that addresses a pain point that a, that a worker may have. Uh, if they do it that way, I'll have more successful, and more engaged workforce. Thank you, Moose. Interesting moments that matter. And I think those moments are the ones that are keeping employees engaged right now with their companies rather than, as you said, working from home, dealing with kids, dealing with how do we get our groceries? How do we keep our house exactly. clean? How do we get our exercise? How do we, how do we schedule our meals? How do we, I have uh, friends in Florida who retired who have a, a weekly cocktail party on Friday night with a different couple and they actually get dressed up in, in cocktail party clothes. They also play online bridge once a week with the same couple and they each, they're on all different computers, they have different laptops so they can each come in as a separate player, two couples and they have a round of, of bridge or other games online just trying and this is not work related but just trying to stay in touch those moments that matter, matter for us as humans as well as employees. Thank you, Moose. Let's go around the table on the really important topic Moose brought up. Satish, you're sitting next to Moose, whether you know it or not, uh, on the virtual round table. Satish, what do you think? Yes, I think um, 
uh, most referred to the multi-generational workforce, and and I was intrigued by the statistics in the in the Deloitte's report about only six percent managers being ready. Um, and and my movie reference again, Bonnie here. You know, if you have seen Robert De Niro's movie, The Intern, uh, where Robert De Niro goes as an intern into a startup company with Anne Hathaway, right? Exactly what Bruce is saying. Mm-hmm. I think the age and the career progression is 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 no more the same as we always looked at it in the past, right? And and as a result, I think the needs uh, and how the well-being, the knowledge management, the learning, the reskilling, everything has to be managed for this multi-generational workforce uh, in in a in a slightly different way, perhaps for some of them versus the others, right? And I think earlier in the conversation, I mentioned baby boomers to Generation X, Y, Z. I think that's that's exactly what I think Moose is also talking over here, and I think that's why uh, I, I agree with Moose's comment that uh, you know why multi-generational workforce and why we need to remove the myopic view that that Moose talks in his statement. Yeah. Thank you, Gordon. Next, what do you think? Join us. Thanks. Um, I, you know, I, I I think the point that Moose mentioned um, regarding the potential for organizations to meet workers' needs uh, and expectations um, in ways that are more meaningful to them and more beneficial, therefore, to the enterprise is is so key here. Um, You you talked about five generations in the workforce. And I think if we we try and treat people in a more uh, cohesive group, almost like a cohort, um, rather than demographically, I think, and we align them with shared goals on this is what you need to achieve and this is what our company is going to benefit from this. And I think that's what, what, where you see two things. And, and I think the first thing is, is a performance boost, I call it. I, I think you really see you get people, you get the magic out of them. And, and then the second one is going right back to where we started the call earlier. It's the engagement. I, I think the engagement ramps as well. And if you can get people performing and engaged, I mean, that's where companies really start to move the needle and, 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 you know, go into that next level of, of performance. Thank you very much. Moose, great topic around the table. We have time maybe to squeeze in one more topic. Satish, I'm going back to you. Statement number three, this looks interesting. You say people are reinventing their thought process. This is an interesting concept. You say, for example, I'm not interested in globe trotting because I care about carbon footprint. Another example, social impacts of my employer are important for me. Organizations need to be aligned with this reinventing process to attract and retain the top talent, the talent they really want. Satish, we have time for you each to have about maybe two minutes or a minute and a half on this. So why don't we go around the table and squeeze this in? Go ahead, Satish. Sure. I'll keep it brief. And I think good segue from uh, from where Moose was before in his statement. Uh, and I think bringing the conversation back to slightly to the multi-generational workforce uh, and, and, and the reskilling, learning the topic that we talked about. Um, I think, you know, when, when I talk to, the, to, to people these days, I think you can see that clearly the agenda is changing. Uh, I think earlier in the interview process, people would have started with topics like compensation and benefits, etc. I think I, I'm, I, I'm quite impressed these days that when people ask me, what's the agenda here? What's your carbon footprint? Well, what, how do you define sustainability? And, and I love that. And I think that's exactly where I feel that people started to reinvent themselves. People started to look at the world differently. 
and that has to reflect in the organization culture uh, and traditionally organizational organizations were setting up the values core values and goals and objectives and i think the organizations need to align with this new thinking uh, that people have and as a result the employees in turn will have you know so that's why uh, my my statement over there was Thank you very much. Good, con- good conversational topic. Gordon Lavrock, join us for about a minute and a half. What do you think? So one of the things I think this feeds into well is this concept of well-being. And, and look, well-being was arguably the most important trend in this year's survey. 80% saying worker well-being is so important to their success. In fact, 96% said it's an organizational responsibility. So it's clearly on the agenda. Um, the measure today typically has been across physical health, maybe a little bit of financial wealth. But we're seeing this more into mental health, right? We're seeing longer days, stress, burnout is now a new concept, right? So the reality of who hasn't been on Zoom calls back to back for the last couple of months and, and how do we manage that? How do we put a, a, a concept of work around this that says this is something that we can manage and this is something we can control? Um, so I think, I think with this in mind, I, I think it's extremely important that organizations have the appropriate enabling technology, right, to, to ensure that they can provide this kind of access, supporting capability and, and, and enablement for, for, for the individuals in the organization. Thank you, Gordon. Moose, you're up. What do you think? Two minutes. Uh, I think um, what my colleagues and friends, uh, Satish and Gordon, uh, have brought, brought up are two key topics. One is you know, things are changing and evolving and people are reinventing themselves and what they're doing. And this whole concept of well-being, um, two very important things because it kind of shifts the way organizations um, look at their workforce. Um, no longer, as I think Satish mentioned, our, our organization workforces are expected to align with the organization. It's kind of shifted a bit now, right? The organization looks at the value systems of their workforce and some and develop programs and things that that resonate with their workforce. And why does that happen? Um, because why do they do that? Because we found studies have shown that uh, when employees are more motivated uh, and you could and more connected to the organization and aligned with the values, you get more. They are they find more meaningful, rich work, and you get more uh, efficiencies, and you get more production. Uh, from an, uh, from the worker perspective, well-being, as an example, um, there's a in our in our study, there's a there's an example of um, a uh, kind of a a, a a learning care group uh, for early childhood education company, uh, where they found that they wanted to figure out a way to support the teachers' well-being as they handled lots of stressful situations in the classroom. So they looked at the whole, the, their, their organization as a whole, and they wanted to make some changes in the classrooms that the teachers were in. They made physical changes to design the classrooms so the teachers can have an enhanced teacher-child interaction. Uh, they updated their curriculum with new contact, content. Uh, they created a positive work environment so that empl- the teachers look forward to coming to work every day. Uh, and technology, they also implemented technology uh, like an app, for example, to help support the teachers when they were in um, stressful situations uh, with with um, with the students or with the children, uh, they could go to the app and they would help them determine how they uh, 
what type of behavior that was, how they should respond, and so on and so forth. So while that addressed the well-being of the worker, right, the, the teacher, but from the organization's perspective, what did that do? Uh, it helped the organization, helped build a resilience amongst the teachers so that they could handle those high-stress high situations. It helped uh, lower disenrollment or kids leaving the school because it was a, it was a private school, right? Uh, and then lastly, um, what it also did was it helped the retention of teachers. So teachers did not quit, they did not, not leave, seek uh, uh, employment elsewhere. So uh, what does that do? What does that mean to us? If you address the worker's well-being, not only are you helping the worker, but you're also helping the organization uh, and the bottom line. Thank you, Moose. All good points. All I can say to the three of you, our, our three specialists on this topic today, is I wish... I wish, I wish this had become part of the mindset of organizations, of companies, of communities 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I have war stories of places I've worked with just, it trickles down to people, people, people. Yeah. Changes, changes hard. The mindset of the leadership is important, but it trickles down to the people, to people, to P to P, H to H, human to human, how people feel about each other, how people respect each other, how people deal with each other. And we're going through a whole new paradigm, a huge shift in how we relate to ourselves even now with, with the change and where we are, what we're doing, our timing. I heard somebody say a couple of years ago, there's no such thing as work-life balance. It's work-life integration. It will never be balanced. We will never find that balance because it's impossible. And right now, your people are teaching their children at home and you're part of a team online and you're trying to keep your household running and keep your spouse happy and keep yourself happy and keep fit and keep smiling. And the challenges on, on, on our own human capital are enormous. I can't thank the three of you enough for your insights. The report is wonderful. All I can say is it's about time that the report is timely, but it's about time that we're seeing these changes, these trends of respect and optimism and people mattering. And I love the idea of super teams and moments that matter. You three dropped so many buzzworthy terms and words on this show today. And I appreciate that. I hope somebody is tweeting these. I don't, I can't do tweet and zoom at the same time. I want to thank Malia Aguilar for putting together an, another extraordinary panel, Malia. I'm allowed to say that. Thank you to Carla Neal, Carla Neal Slavin, and Helen Tomas for sponsoring the series. And thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at Voice America World Talk Radio for getting us on the air. Thank you to Zoom for making it so much fun. I wish I had discovered Zoom as the medium for radio years ago because the op opportunity to watch my panelists think and smile and see your reactions to each other and to me is, is priceless. So thank you, Satish Badgi. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Gordon Lavrock. Very much appreciate your time. And your backgrounds are all stunning. I wish the listeners could see you're all in skyscrapers and gorgeous modern offices. And Moose Norze is in an office. It's just magnificent. And I've got the logo behind me, Deloitte, the kinetic enterprise built to evolve. This is Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Go out and have a great day. Be safe. Be smart. Be savvy. Be kind. Considerate. Compassionate. And think about where you want to work, how you want to work. How do you want to participate in your company? in your work, in your projects, in your community. And I hope we resonated some really good ideas with you today. Signing off for the Kinetic Enterprise. Everybody wave. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.